0: good morning thank you all for coming today I'm here I'm at the right point now I guess here uh, welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning um, the mission of Washare Community Church uh, we are a group of gathered Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ we strive to love God and others fervently now for the announcements, a couple of quick things at the front of your bulletin. If you've got one of those, first page right behind the cover is a connect sheet. So if you want to fill that out, you can. Just tear it off, put it in the offering plate, and that'll help us to get a hold of you if you would like to connect with other things available in the church. Secondly, um, parents of kids. If, you want, if you'd like your kids to go down to the children's church, there's, don't forget to have them sign up. Uh, there's a couple of little kiosky type things, computers there in the, uh, in the uh, lobby area. And then today, there will be a single adult fellowship lunch after Come for More. So that'll end up being right around 12. So if you're interested in that, single adult, you can head to Lakeshore. It says also here, bring a friend if you'd like. Uh, And then today as well, there is a Rock family activity. The Rock is our youth group downstairs uh, at Flight Family Farms between here and Coloma. If you're not familiar with where that is, you can just type it into Google. It's about halfway between here and Coloma on 21. Um, You do not have to have a child or a young person in uh, the youth group in order to go. It's open to anyone in the church. They can come, bring your family, bring your kids. And hopefully it's a good crowd and a lot of people have fun there. I, I My family's been there already this year and we had a great time. Uh, and then today's Benevolence Sunday. So there's a special offering plate in the back if you would like to give to that. And that money is used specifically for people in our church who need help with heat, utilities, things like that. Those kind of necessities of daily life. And if I missed, feel free to look through that bulletin if I missed anything. There is one other important thing, and that is a special invitation. If you are new to Washer Community Church, if you've been coming in the last six months or so, um, there will be a meeting in the back library, so right out the door, across, uh, with Pastor Adam and the elders to meet with you at 11 o'clock today. So if you've been coming recently, you can meet with our pastor and the elders in that room. And I think I got everything there. So let's do a scripture reading together. It's going to be Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I'll let them get that up, and then we will go. There we go. All right. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, Let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. The people that have gathered here to worship you, may we have focus on you this morning. Uh, May we um, not let all the little distractions of life and the world and um, all the little things that can come in, may they not enter into our our thoughts today and we be holy, holy in your presence. Uh, Bless our time and also the the sermon. Um, May you give Adam words of wisdom here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, that's right, sorry, Tim Tim had asked if he could do a ministry minute, and I got thrown by screwing up the first part of this thing. So here we go. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm in charge of hospitality, my wife and I, and we're short like four couples right now. And I'm just asking if there's anybody here, couples, singles, uh, youth, 18, 20, (laughs) 15, anybody can help. Even families with a couple children would be great if you want to sign up. It's only four times a year for two hours each time. That's only eight hours a year. And you get to meet and talk to people and really enjoy have a good time with people. So I just ask if you're going to contact me. Um, I'll put my number out there by the Hospitality Center and you can call me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tim.
1: We're going to move things around or up right now. So children for Children's Church, you are dismissed at this time. So you can head that toward the center doors here. And we'll have the ushers come forward. We'll take up our morning offering. Gary, are you looking forward to Neville coming back? I know, he's one of our ushers. He is, one of our steadies. Uh, We are praying for the persecuted church this morning. That's our, our focus this morning. So Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to To give tithes and offerings unto you, Lord, to use them for your glory. Ministries here and ministries afar. And Lord, we do think of those churches that are gathering under cover. Or there's places, Lord, where this is uh, unheard of being able to gather like we are this morning in this place. And so, Lord, your guidance, especially upon the missionaries that we support um, in those specific areas. So our heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and an opportunity to give in Thy precious name, Amen, Amen. Well, I'm while you're taking up the offering, I'm going to have Josiah come back up again. Um, Josiah gave a uh, and Megan gave an update on the on the search team last week, and he said, "I think I need to say a little bit more." Felt bad about what he said. He, he didn't have to. Um, but if I can get my
0: slide up here, Don. He's going to walk us. Yeah, he, he's correct. When I, I said, we'll have a pastor soon. And I realized afterwards, what on earth does soon mean? It could be two weeks, two months, three. So what I wanted to do is just kind of show you the process. Tell you where we're at. Because we're at different spot, spots with different candidates. And so you'd have a really good idea of where we actually are at. So there hopefully won't be any more questions. Uh, Hopefully, won't leave anyone with questions, and if you do, just grab me, and I'll do my best to clarify them. So, uh-oh. so, there we go. So, here is the list, and I'm not going to go through all these points for the sake of time, so feel free to read them. That is some of these things we've, we have completed and done. So, looking at it quickly, we've done the top two there, and then going down, we've conducted initial Zoom interviews. We, I talked about that last week. Uh, We've made the reference calls. We've done the applicant packet. We've conducted Zoom interviews with the elders one time. We have another one scheduled coming up as well. Um, The Bible study we have done uh, as well. So actually, I think we have done these first two sections. And that brings us to the third grouping of bullets. So we would then announce, and this is the part that's upcoming. So let's say with these first two bullet points go really well. Then the next step, we go down here, we would announce to all of you folks that candidate would come in, and we or we'd have the biographical material come in, and then we'd have a candidate weekend where they would come in and you'd get to meet them and get to know them. And then after that, assuming everybody's on the same page, we want to move forward. At that point, it comes to you folks as a vote. You all get to decide where we go from there. And then eventually, assuming that that vote is passed, we go to the arrival of the pastoral family. Now, as far as rough time frame, that that really depends on process because we're working with schedules of elders, schedules of search team, and also, just as importantly, schedules of the candidate. And the, a lot of the folks we talk talked to are, have families with young kids, and so they're busy. They've got a lot of stuff going on. So it could be anywhere from a few days to schedule an interview to maybe even one or two weeks out. That might be when they have their first availability that, that coincides with all these other people. So... Realistically, probably when I said soon, in my head, I was thinking a couple of months, if that helps you in any way. Um, I think that's everything I wanted to say. If you have any questions, I think this is going to be going on the website, if you need to ever ref- refer to it going forward. And again, any Sunday, just grab me and I will try to fill you in. Thank you. Sorry. Do you feel better now? I did. I- oh.
1: We are in the book of Galatians. I'm so thankful for that prayer time we had this morning. I know that was a a thrown in there, but that was a great time to just pause and remember those that are around us that are walking through some tough times right now. Um, So we are in the book of Galatians. I'm so thankful to be able to walk through this book uh, together with you. Last Sunday was the very first sermon and it was kind of like an intro an appetizer of what Galatians is all about, and this Sunday will kind of be along the same lines. We've titled it The Man, The Message, and The Manner," and in verses 6 through 10, kind of a subtitle is Another Gospel, and and it's in question form that we're given. So let me do a bit of review. Um, When we look at a book of the Bible, we look at the three A's. The first A is the author And from the scriptures, from the actual letter, we see that Paul is the author. The audience from the letter is the local churches of Galatia. And so that's the region of Asia Minor, what we know of Turkey today. Paul has traveled through there a couple times with missionary journeys, and he has taken the gospel to these cities. And there have been Christians who have now risen up, and there's local bodies of Christ in these different cities. There's at least four that are listed in the book of Acts in this area. There's a Poseidon, Antioch, there's a Iconium, Lystra, and Derby that are there. And then the third one is when it was autographed, when it was written, uh, anytime between 48 and 52 A.D. And you have to always put that in perspective when Christ was here. his His death and resurrection was in the early 30s A.D., So we're talking 20 years or less from that event, this letter was written to these churches, um, these Christian churches that are there. Uh, One more part of review here is that uh, it has six chapters, and it kind of divides out pretty evenly between these six chapters. Chapters one and two are about the man, Paul, and you can put on the line personal We'll learn things about Paul that we've never learned about, it's not in any other part of the scriptures, but he will speak uh, some more in depth about his own life and his own conversion um, that's happening. So that's in chapter one and two. Chapters three and four, then we move to the message, the gospel. You could put doctrinal on there. He's going to talk about what the gospel means pretty in depth in those two chapters, three and four. And then chapters five and six, we go to the manner or the life. How, we, how then shall we live? Since we are saved, since we are free, how then shall we live? So that could be the practical, the practical is there. So as we go into this passage of Scripture, we will notice that the gospel is referred to seven times. Seven times the gospel is referred to. It is referred to as a noun. But also as a verb. So sometimes this means a noun, sometimes it's a verb. It's something to announce and also something to receive on both sides of that. Now I'm going to pause right there at that moment and ask you this question. How many of you hate backtracking? Do you hate backtracking? I mean, you're going back the same way you came. Oh, I wish that wouldn't happen kind of thing. And you got to go back over the same territory. Everything you, you hate backtracking, or here's another one, um, and usually this happens uh, in the political realm. Okay, somebody's running for office, they make a whole bunch of claims, all these promises that they're gonna do, and then they get in office, and what do they do? They flip flop and they do just the opposite. Doesn't that bug you? Yeah, we got we we have that whole term flip flop. Well, in this passage of Scripture, that's where Paul is. Paul's going to be just bewildered, doesn't understand why these people have flip-flopped, why they had something so great, and now they seem to be going backtracking back the other direction again. So let me read it, it through again, and let me point out these seven times the gospel is referred to. Verse 6 says, I am astonished that you so quickly are deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There's the first one, which is really no gospel at all. That's the second time. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel, there's the third one, of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, there's the fourth one, and then he says, Other than the one, so there's the fifth time it's speaking of the gospel, other than the one, we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, now we say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel, there's the sixth time, and then he says, other than what you accepted, so that's the seventh one, then you accepted, may he be eternally, let him be eternally condemned. I am now trying to win am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men if I am still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ so I thought well, let's look at a couple well it's mentioned seven different times, so let's look at a couple of the other very famous places where that word gospel is given, and one of the most famous places is when the, shepherds meet, or the angels meet the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. And you'll know these words when it says, But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. What is it? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. The gospel is that Jesus has come. Jesus has come. Now, I put one more on there. Uh, 2 Timothy is another one where Paul is instructing Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and starting in verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may too they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That they may obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. So if we go back to Galatians chapter chapter 1 and we look at verse 6 again, I'm astounded, or I marvel, or I'm blown away. I, I, I'm scratching my head over this scenario, Galatian people. I'm astounded that you so quickly are deserting. That's a military term, meaning retreat. They're going back the other way. You're deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. Who is the one who called them by the grace of God? Christ. God, his very self. You are deserting. You're walking the other direction from God turning and turning to a different gospel now i put up there they're abandoning verses three and four what is the gospel he just told them verse three grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins there's our contribution to rescue us from this present evil age this present evil age is headed to hell he says i've I've given you a rescue i've given you a rescue through my son According to the will of our God and Father. That is the gospel that God sent his son. And his son took our place. So that we are not headed to hell, but we are headed to eternal life with him. With him. Why are you deserting this? Deserting verses 3 and 4. Verse 7 now, he says, um, which is really no gospel at all. It's no gospel it's not good news. Whatever you're following right now other than what we said to you in verses 3 and 4 is not good news. It's no gospel at all. Evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now the some people he's referring to are called Judaizers. Judaizers are Jewish people who came to faith in Christ. They see Jesus as the Messiah But they believe that you also have to continue to keep all the Jewish customs and specifically that of circumcision. So a good example of this is in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, because this report gets back to the Christians in Jerusalem. And in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Some men came down from Judea and Antioch and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, You cannot be saved. So what were they doing? They were perverting the gospel of Christ. They were saying, Jesus on the cross, that's that's great, but you also have to do this. They were saying Jesus plus something else to be able to be saved. And Paul says, no, it's in Christ alone. There is nothing else. Anytime that you add anything else to the gospel, you are negating what he did on the cross. You are saying what he did on the cross was not sufficient enough. It was good, but you, there's a little bit more that you need to do to really be a Christian. Now, these, to become a Jew, you must do this. There's usually four things that you have to do. So if someone was a Gentile and they wanted to become part of the Jewish faith, There's four things that they had to do. They had to be baptized um, by immersion. They had to be circumcised. Everybody say, ouch, ouch, ouch. They had to be circumcised. Then they also had to follow the laws of Torah, the laws of Moses. And then specifically, they had to follow all the food and the festival laws that were there. And so that's what they had to go through to become part of the Jewish faith. And what these Judaizers are saying, well, if you want to become a Christian, you do have to say that Jesus is the Messiah, but you, technically you have to become a Jew first before you can become a Christian. And that's where Paul goes, everybody shake your head. Uh Uh-uh. No. No. So verse 8 is Paul getting on his soapbox here. He says, but even if we, so even if we, and then he ratchets it up, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. He gets on this soapbox and he says, no, it's in Christ alone. And uh, Galatians, this is just a little fact, Galatians is like a mini Roman's. When you read the book of Galatians, you're going to see some topics in there that he, he condenses down. But if you go to the book of Romans, you want to hear more about what Paul says about this. He expands it completely. He completely spans it out. But Galatians is kind of a mini Romans. But in this passage, I didn't put it up there. Probably if you flip back one page on your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to hear the soapbox again. Paul says this. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so stop right there. He takes him back to the Garden of Eden. He says, remember that? God created everything. God created Adam and Eve. And and God even gave you an opportunity to um, obey him by saying, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this tree. And so where's the serpent in that tree? And... And the serpent basically says, did God really say that? And Eve eventually does what? Even though God created her, created this garden, created everything for her, what did Adam and Eve do? They turned away from God, what God said, and went with what the serpent said. See the similarity between these two? But I'm afraid that even just as Eve was deceived, by the serpent's cunning your minds may somehow be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ that your minds have been turned away from the what Jesus has done he goes on to say for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted he says you put up with it easily enough. You just go along. Oh, there's another way. I didn't know there was another way. There's another Jesus. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, there's, you know, and he says, you just, you just go right along with it. Now, if we jump down to verse 13 in that passage, he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, uh, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Boy, he he, he he gets on his soapbox when anybody is saying, there's something more than you need than Jesus Christ. And I, and I threw this last one up there because I know he's, Writing this hypothetically, but it's inspired by the scriptures, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's saying it kind of in theater form. You know, even if we, and then he ratchets it up, or an angel from heaven, you know, celestial being come down, would should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Let him be eternally condemned. It, it's amazing to me that there's a famous alleged, alleged angel sighting that happened in 1823. To a man named Joseph Smith. And he claimed to meet an angel. Named Moroni. And Moroni told him. Oh wait a minute. There's more. There's more. There's these, these plates. These golden plates. And you write this down. And, and, and you do this and do that. And yeah. No. This is, this is more information. And I'm like wow. Right in the scripture. Right against what Paul just said. And there's a whole Call it an organization out there that is based off the words of an angel saying there's another way or a better way. And Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Verse 9, play it again, Sam. He says, as we have already said. Play it again, Sam. So I say it again. If anyone is preaching you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. The word there is anathema. Anathema. And it means uh, devoted to God for destruction. I mean, it's probably the strongest thing that Paul ever says. If someone is purporting that there is a different way to heaven, or Jesus isn't enough, May they be eternally condemned. And uh, I I didn't want to leave Paul there in that, like that vein. Like, ooh, man, he's an angry dude. If I jump back to that Romans, Romans chapter 9, I want you to see a different Paul, same Paul. But in Romans 1 through 8, he speaks about the gospel in depth. And he gets to chapter 9. And when he gets done talking all about the gospel, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it is the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. So the, the one that says, hey, if you add anything to Christ, May you be eternally condemned, is the same one that says, Man, if, I know I can't do this. I, I know I can't do this, but if I could, I would take your place. I would take your place. I would take your place so that you would know Jesus Christ. So he's not, a, he's not an ogre uh, here. He is just really, he's not politically correct either. When he ends this, he says, I am now trying, am I now trying to win approval of men? And the answer would be no, not by what he just said, saying to some people, may you be eternally condemned. Is he trying to please men? No. Or of God, am I trying to please men? No. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's not being politically correct. Um, If you can think of Paul, he's teaching the Gentiles. And the Gentiles believed that there were many gods. all. Different ways to get to God, just plethora of them. And Paul comes in and goes, Uh, no, (laughs) no, there's only one. And the only way to God is through his son Jesus Christ. And so he's speaking against in the Gentile world what they were preaching. Okay. At the same time, he has on this side over here his Jewish brethren. And some of the Jewish brethren are now coming to faith in Christ. And some of those Jewish brethren are saying, yeah, the cross and Jesus, Messiah, all that kind of stuff. But you also have to keep being Jewish. You have to become Jewish. And what's Paul doing in that situation? He goes, no, he's, he's in, a, in the middle of all this. Um, Let me take it this way. In our world, in our world, we have made right and left. have made division in our world we have right those on the right and those on the left we've done that and and there's sometimes people on the right organizations on the right have done good things but they've also done bad things and there's people on the left who have done good things and also have done bad things Okay, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, where is your allegiance? Your allegiance is to Jesus Christ. You put all your eggs in that basket. That's where you put the basket. Because there are times when you read the scriptures and and Jesus, um, the good, the good of right and left, the good comes out in Jesus. But that's where you stay, is in Jesus Christ. I would would advise you, don't put your eggs in any other basket than Jesus. And so sometimes being a servant of Christ, you find yourself standing all alone. When you stand up for something, you find yourself standing all alone. When you put all your eggs in the Jesus basket, there are times you feel all alone, but you're not. You're not alone. The fiery furnace. This will take you back to Sunday school, won't it? Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this altar, or this, this idol. And he says, when the music plays, bow down to the idol. There's some that are not bowing down guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm picking this up at verse 8. And it says, at this time, uh, did I do it wrong? Chapter 3, or, oh, verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? There's the first question. He doesn't allow them to answer the question. He just keeps right on going. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? There's question number two. He pauses. Now they get an opportunity to respond. You're going to hear them answer both questions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from He, and He will rescue us from your hand, O king. The God we serve." They answered one of the questions there. But even if he does not, we want you to know, okay, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Answered question number two. We will not. Even if he does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, we will not serve your God. Now, before I read the, uh, go down to verse 24 there, think about this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they're not bowing down to this image. I'm sure they got Hebrew brothers, Hebrew boys around them going, Hey, Jared, bow down, bow down. You're going to get us in trouble. You're going to get us in trouble. If they, maybe we get associated with you, you know, bow down. Don't worry. Yeah, I know about commandments in one, two, three, and four. I know about those. I know about, but just this one time, don't worry about this. Just this one time, just, just bow down. You know, we'll take care of it later. We'll take care of it later. I'm sure there must've been some pressure if they're the only three still standing when this is going on. There's probably a lot of murmuring going on, going, stick down, we're gonna get in trouble. So he's got that on one side, they're murmuring about this. On the other side, who are they standing in front of? The king of the world at that time, Nebuchadnezzar. And I mean, man, he's putting down an order. He's saying, you do this or else. They were not afraid to die. You know why they weren't afraid to die? Because they had... Right. All their eggs were in the God basket. All their eggs, and if we bring it into today, all their eggs... Are in Jesus' basket. That's why they were not afraid to die. Because that's where all their eggs were. It wasn't with popular opinion of their buddies maybe telling them to quiet down. And it wasn't with the authority, the supposed authority at the time. It wasn't with that. No, they weren't afraid to die because God said. And that's what they were standing on. That's what they were standing on. Um, let me end with this, how we love to go back, how we love to backtrack. Um, when Jesus hangs on the cross, it is said it, in scripture that the veil was torn in the temple, in the Holy of Holy from top to bottom, God opened up the the gate for all who come in, not just the high priest. Josephus, who's a first century uh, Christian, uh, first century Jewish historian, there we go, said that after these events, the Jewish people continued to do sacrifices. So after Jesus died on the cross, after he rose from the they continued to do sacrifices in the temple. Somebody must have sewed that thing back up. They must have. They must have sold it back up. How we tend to go backwards. Let me give you another example from the scriptures. The Israelites have been delivered from the Egyptians. Moses comes in and says, let my people go. And they see God's hand at work, parting the Red Sea, walking across as if on dry ground. Then they get manna from heaven, water from the rock, quail. They get all of these pillar of cloud and fire directing them all the way across the wilderness. They, they are provided for in every single way. But anytime they stub their toe, what do they do? It's so much better back in Egypt. Boy, if we just wouldn't have left Egypt, it would have been so much better. They sounded just like that. too. No, no. they didn't. But that was their mantra. It, let's just go back. Let's just go back. And see, that's why this message is so important. Yes, the gospel. The gospel. People need to hear what the gospel is. And we pray every Sunday, I pray every Sunday, that there would be ears opened, eyes opened, hearts opened, to hear the gospel for the very first time and for them to respond to this gospel that God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins, that we might have eternal life, that you would hear that for the very first time and respond to it in repentance and faith and obedience and submission, following after him. So that's for the unsaved. But the gospel needs to be mentioned over and over again for us who are saved. He's writing it to the churches of Galatia, the Christian churches of Galatia. He's saying, I need to remind you again of the gospel. So those of us who are saved need to hear it again because our tendency is to go back or to add something to it rather than to say, no, it is in Christ alone and him alone. And that's where all my eggs are. And that basket, the basket of Jesus Christ. I think um, Paul would probably sing the song, uh, In Christ Alone. And especially the second verse. The second verse says this, In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. My eggs are in that basket of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and we're going to close by singing that beautiful song this morning.